Hey everyone and welcome to the podcast. This episode is proudly brought to you by well, anybody. We are currently looking for a sponsor for the Road to Success podcast. So if you, an organization or business you know or are involved with, might be interested in finding out some more information about sponsoring the Road to Success podcast, then please contact me online either via mattylovell.com or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram too. We can start to go over how things might work and have you or your business sponsoring the Road to Success podcast. Until then, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Road to Success podcast. My name is Maddie Lovell. Thank you so much for joining me today as I chat with Marlon from 660. Marlon, mate, thank you so much for, for coming over again. All good, man. Nice to see you again. Yeah, it's really good to see you. It's um, it was um, it's been two years since we almost two years since we That's last crazy. Yeah, it seems it's like been, it's been quite actually. I listened to our last the episode that we did, and I was sort of preparing for this, and um, yeah, a lot sort of changed and, and for you, for me as well. And um, you know, when we caught up last time, you guys um had just played Western Springs for the first time, the first time, and um, you. Had an album uh, coming out as well, and then it seems like from the outside that you, like the band, you you haven't stopped. It's just sort of kept growing. What's the the last couple of years been like for you? Uh, it's been it's been full on. It's been a lot of change, kind of needed to happen. So there's been a bit of that. These personally, there's um, just more of the the same kind of consistency and. Trying to optimize, um, but yeah, with the band, it's um, yeah, very interesting times because yeah, I guess it was before the album, and I can't remember exactly what stage we were in, but that was that process was very interesting because it we we had an album, what we thought was the album, and completely kind of pivoted um, about two months before release and kind of redid it and. The whole concept for the album was just reformed. What caused that? Why? Um, so we, Macho and I, went to LA. Um, we had been working with this producer um, up until then for the last two records, um, and we kind of there was nothing wrong with him or anything like that. But we we kind of wanted to just see what, what else was out there. So we we set on this mission to just go out there and just explore, work with heaps of people in LA and America. Actually, we went to um, Nashville, which was very interesting. And the whole idea was just like, let's just, before we, maybe we go back to that producer we've always been with, but let's just see what's out there before we make that decision. And so we worked with probably maybe 10 writers, producers over about a month. And one guy we met, um, uh, his name is Malay. Absolutely floored us, like everything about him. Um, we did one song with him, the greatest, um, and that was at the end of this one month. And we were just like, just this is he resonated with us in such a deep, primal way. I guess it was mm -hmm. just like, man, this is the guy. Like, yeah, yeah. this is the guy. He just gets us, and he and and we love what he does to to sound and how he thinks about it. And um, so we did that one song, and he's a big name, and we knew we know his history, and we admire everything he's done. So we're kind of like 
it was like meeting your hero almost. Mm-hmm. Well, for me it was. Like definitely for me it was. Mm-hmm. And even now he's he's the guy I look up to in terms of being a producer. Um, and so we're so nervous around him, but trying to switch that off and work. So we really worked really hard on that one song. And um, a month passed and we we're about to add that one song to a bunch of other songs we had done with this other producer. Um, and... He just out of the blue, we we're back in New Zealand mixing the record, about to release mm-hmm. it, and he out of the blue said, "Hey guys, I'm I'm in New Zealand." So we hadn't really talked since that one song, yeah, like a, a, probably a month, a month before that. And he just, "Hey, hey guys, I'm in New Zealand. Um, I'm just here for like two weeks. I'd love to catch up." And Macho and I just like lit up, like. Because we knew that, like, we wish we did the album with him. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, oh, man, we were like, oh, it is what it is. Maybe we'll do it next time. And we're like, maybe we should, if when we meet up with him, kind of just say what we feel. And we were so nervous about that, about, you know, spilling our beans and going, hey, man, I know we only did one song. I know we've got, like, another nine songs that we've done with someone else. And, you know, all the money's been spent and, you know, we've got the release date. And so... um yeah, we we just did it, man. And first, like I, I yeah. kind of, I was the first one to see him. Yeah, because we met at this um, restaurant, which is now our this connection, this restaurant yeah. called the Depot up in Auckland. Yeah. Um, and this every time he comes here now, we go there and yeah, it's yeah. like we always talk about it. Anyway, we, I was the first to see him, so much was a bit late, so I had to walked out, tried to act cool, you know, oh man, hey man, nice to see you in New Zealand. What you're doing here? And then I just blurted it out. I was <laughs> like, dude, to be honest, man, like. We want you to do the whole album, man. I, and we just love that one song we did. We love the process more than anything. Mm-hmm. The process f- with you was so inspiring, just all love, and like he's just such a cool guy. And um, and then Machu turned up like literally five minutes later. It was a surprise, but like we yeah. already talked about yeah, it. You know, done it. We were going to do this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. where We like you know have dinner, get yeah. a bit drunk, and yeah. then like say it. Yeah. But I I couldn't help myself. Yeah, and um. And Machu was like, oh, man. And he's like, yeah. He was like, straight away, yes. I'll call my manager and we'll get it done. And then we ended up just getting like so drunk. He just stayed in New Zealand? For a week. No, no. We oh. So we went to LA. Oh, yeah. Um, but basically what happened, we we set it straight out before we even had a drink. And then ended up just getting drunk and talking about the um, the concept for the album and just kind of having a really good time getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. And um, the next day we woke up with a hangover and then a call from our manager saying, I don't know what you guys did, but basically we're going to LA next week and we're going to redo the album with Malay. And we're just like, ah, wow. Like, it was just such, uh, it was both so exciting, but at the same time freaky because yeah. we had to deal with this, these nine songs that had been done, yeah. all the money, yes, telling the producers and stuff, you know, this is kind of what we're going to do now. And all that, yeah. Um, but then on the other, other side, it was like, and we get to work with them yeah, for yeah. the whole album. Well, yeah, yeah. And so, did you take the same songs, like the other ten songs that you had, or nine songs? So we had, we, so we had ten songs, including the song with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took, uh, we took that song, and we took five of the songs already done, yeah. and redid them, mm-hmm. kind of reimagined them, mm-hmm. and then we added another five new songs. Yeah, and that was wow. the album that we released yeah last year. Yeah. Wow, yeah. what a crazy process. Yeah, it was. Um, um, 
Yeah, that's cool. And you said like, you know, you said like a lot of change, um, you know, when I asked you how the last couple of years, I mean, what's, what's sort of changed for you? Personally? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you said change. What's, uh, what's Oh, I kind of, on, on all fronts, you know, um, like this album, the process of doing this album was a huge shift in, in the way I um, look, like, look at music now because just because of Malay, he really has, um, he's just influenced me in a major way. Like his process, the way he, his, his background, his, his studio, his, um, the way he, the kind of gear he uses from, from a technical level through to a mental level, the way he works, his workflow. Like, I mean, I've taken that in on board and I've, you know, recently started producing other artists and kind of learnt what I've learnt from him, mm -hmm. taken what I've learnt from him and applied it. And um, he's tuned my ears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I know what I like because of I, I just love the sonics and the way he approaches yeah. moulding sounds. Um, so I've taken that on. Uh, on another level, in other areas of my life, um, just with, you know, this – um, constant want, wanting to improve. Uh, I've, I've my routine's just been updated. Yeah, um, you're still very disciplined with with everything you're doing. Yeah, I've, I've kind of. I think the last when I last time I saw you, I was very. I, I felt like I was in hindsight really rigid. I was really just pushing, trying to be structural and trying to have like a really strong routine. And um, in the last two years, I've kind of more come to an, a, an area of balance where I'm a bit looser with my um, my routine but in tune with what, my, what I need mm -hmm. um, so like I kind of I've kind of settled in, into a routine physically mentally and kind of health wise just like diet and yeah. meditation and stuff like that I've kind of found a little thing yeah. um, where where it's very personalised yeah um, and I've taken bits and pieces from yep. over the last couple of years, and kind of found this thing where, I, where, where it's both uh, I know it, but at the same time I'm challenging myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point because I'm the same, and I think you know I'm very rigid and structured, and I sort of like you know like if I say this is what I'm doing, then I always it's just what I do, and and um, and yeah, I think that um, sometimes. Like I've added this affirmation into my daily affirmations, which is, um, um, you know, I'm happy and I'm, I'm at peace and I'm happy. And I just think that sometimes when you're very driven and, and rigid's a good word for it, that sometimes you can miss things a little mm. bit and it just, you just, you're so structured that you, you, you don't see the, the forest through the trees sort of thing, you know? So it's quite an interesting, um, insight as well. And, um, uh, you know, it, it seems like on a on a on a band front that the 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 growth has just you know continued as a or even almost you know increased because like, I can't go anywhere. I don't know what it's like for you, but I cannot go anywhere without hearing your song. Like you know, it doesn't matter if it's a, a sports arena or a you know. I went picked my daughter up from daycare the other day, and they had <laughs> your song playing there, and like it's just it's been is it nuts is, it, is that what it's like for you is that you know you're feeling the same sort of thing that you've been growing and the band's just got bigger and bigger I feel like we're definitely more productive and like I I, I keep thinking that this last album is really for me personally like the first time I've been fully satisfied creatively with with a piece a body of work um, before then it was like it kind of just felt like I just it was good enough yeah but this this time it was like 
it's almost like, oh, now we know who we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, and, and then on top of that, yeah, being very productive. So we're able to kind of, we're old enough now to kind of know what we want and experienced enough to know the sound we're looking for and the feeling, actually the feeling we're looking for has really come into like fruition. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, we're very productive and I guess that's just, it's just pouring out of us now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas before we were like, trying to figure it out yeah <laughs> constantly trying to like oh maybe we'll try to do a pop album maybe we'll try to do this maybe we'll try to do that different producer different studio yeah. different you know different ages um but i think like we're kind of settled now and um we still got all these things that we want to do which is exciting too so it's not like we've arrived which i think is um just philosophically a bad place to be to feel yes. like you've arrived yeah so these not only that, we've realised where our potential is, and not just with Much and I, who have been the main writers for the last couple of albums, but with the whole five of us, and trying to trying to figure out how we can all come on, be on the same page mm-hmm. and create music that we all love. You know, yeah. And what is your potential? I mean, it's I, a hard question to ask anyone, but you know, you've obviously thought about it a lot and, mm. um, you know, last time I remember we were talking about Gilbert and some of the things that he'd been working with you with and he was, you know, encouraging you to think bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, you know, is, is there, are you able to, you know, put into words how you're sort of, where you envisage you guys being in five or ten years' time? Well, yeah. So we, uh, we, we met up with Gilbert like only a week ago and um, I think it's safe to say what he said to us, but he just, it's almost the opposite of what you just said with the big goal setting mm-hmm. stuff. You know, we've been, we've been goal orientated and thinking big and thinking outside of what we do, outside of music and to business and stuff like that. Um, and recently in the last year, we've kind of felt this, we've felt that pressure on us, this, this like pressure of writing a song, pressure of like writing a 660 song, um, pressure of making making sure it's better than what we've done in the past, and the one thing that out of a lot of things that Gilbert said to us is like pretty much you guys got to go back to basics, go back to why you fell in love with music, which is just when you when you boil the whole thing down, it's just playing together with no no goal, yeah, no, no no agenda, no yeah. agenda, just playing and engaging with each other, and we're like we just lit up. All five of us like, yeah, of course, that's what it is. And, you know, most of the talk was like, but how do we get rid of that nagging feeling of like jamming without going anywhere? Yeah. Why are we doing this? So like, what are we trying to do here? Like, it's just like it's an song. expectation of yourself. Sort of yeah. Thing. Like we've got are to we have writing a song right now? Yeah, yeah. Are we just jamming for the sake of jamming? Yeah. And and Gilbert's like, yeah, you just should just be playing. That You know, that's... That's that's like the core of who you are, and so we've made steps since then, only in a week, to kind of set up a live room. We've got this HQ in Auckland, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to set up just live instruments and just start playing together and have no agenda. And we're not going to write a song; we're just going to have fun. And cool. So we're going to give that a go and yeah, see how it goes. I feel, I feel like we all feel like it's going to be a great thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's kind of the same with everyone, isn't it? It's like you look at a, an athlete or, a, you know, anything. It's like, why do you why you play whatever sport it is? And it's if you boil it right back, it's just because you enjoyed it, you yeah. know? And, and sometimes as you grow and get bigger, you can kind of lose sight of the, you know, original motivation, which is just because it was fun. Yes, yeah, as, as stuff starts piling on when you're, 
when you, you know when you, when you go through this life, you know, mm. kids, whatever you have mm. in your life, there's a tendency to want to just do more. Uh, um, even personally, like the lockdown, the whole pandemic with me, I did that. I had to do that, I, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to go back to basics and go, okay, you know, like obviously no going out, no doing adventures, no all these things that you we used to do before the pandemic. It's like. I went extreme back to basics. I didn't do coffee. I didn't do drinking. I didn't do any um, bad food. I kind of went like tried to boil it down, and you know, because at, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was quite scared. You know, I was like, "Oh man, this, this is this is huge, this is potentially very dangerous." And so I kind of like got into this protection mode mm -hmm. with me and my girlfriend. We've we're, been living. I don't know if we were living together the last time we had the podcast, but mm -hmm. it's definitely been about two years now we've been living together and I was just like let's just let's hang on here let's get everything tight let's yeah. tighten up everything in our lives yeah. I'm, I'm going to be like trying to work on being strong being like a super aware of what's going on updated with the news healthy well slept like I just went yeah. into this mode where I was like almost like I was in the military like a yeah, sergeant yeah. or something yeah, like yeah. A general and I yeah. was just and was it fair driving that do you think was yeah it, it was yeah, yeah. At, initially um, but I've you know with I guess with my engineering background just the ability to to like seek out like good information yeah it wasn't long until I go okay I see this is not that dangerous mm -hmm. it's, it's worse than the flu um, it, there's still potential for it to evolve into something um, worse because I, I, I kind of looked at the Spanish flu and see how that went. And it wasn't long until I'm like, man, like, we're, we're all good now. But once this thing starts evolving, and what we're seeing now is like the evolution of the mm -hmm. virus, and now it's gone more contagious. But mm -hmm. it, it can go so many ways. It can mm -hmm. become more deadly. Like, I think it was a year, year and a half after the Spanish flu broke out, a, a, a super deadly strain came out, a mutation, and that's that caused all the damage we hear about from that time. Really? So um, you, when you look at evolution, mutations and stuff like that, you just, there's no way to know where it's going to go. Um, but from a very objective view, a virus's best interest is to not kill its host. So over a lot, like five to 10 years, mm -hmm. it will eventually become like the cold. But in the initial stages, it just kind of goes where yeah. it needs to go until the strain comes where, because it wants to live in its host and wants to survive and replicate. Yeah. So like this that's what will happen with HIV. Every single virus that mm. enters the human body will eventually get to a place where it's kind of in the host as long as it can. Yeah, and you really delved into it, didn't you? Yeah. So uh, it's just this period, this next five years will be, or no, maybe even three years hopefully, Yeah. where the virus will kind of sort itself out and the strain that will live in the body the longest will dominate. Yeah. And so that was the first wee while, and then you said you sort of managed to like, I guess not, not sort of, not you weren't too worried towards the end of it. Did your routine change? You sort of relax a little bit. Did you enjoy lockdown? Like for you know, for example, like um, you know, I have you know we we have a, have a bit going on, and um, you know we've got a young daughter, and mm. for me it was like um, I was quite the opposite. I, I tried to avoid too much information. Like I thought sometimes that. Um, you know, in, in a weird way, I didn't think there was a lot that I could do about it. I sort of thought that, um, you know, we were, you know, had my family and I knew we were safe as we could be. There was nothing else that we could really do. 
and um, and I thought the next you know six weeks or whatever it is eight weeks however long it ended up being was going to pass and I just thought well I'm just going to really enjoy my time with my daughter and my wife and our dog and 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 for me it was it was quite different it was a very you know I haven't spent six weeks just with you know my family and ever I don't think you know so it was actually a really beautiful time for me um, and I, I I sort of watched the updates each day but apart from that I sort of um, you know didn't. I didn't no, there was there wasn't I didn't think there was much news to report on, so it was all just sort of you know, there wasn't a lot of positivity in the world. So I sort mm. of, you know, I sort of just enjoyed my surroundings, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I eventually got there. Mm-hmm. But I I remember it being like a good four weeks of just head down, eyes and ears open, seeking information. Yeah. And, yeah. And 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 actually um and another aspect of my life, I guess, with the producing side of things. So this is, you know, only three months after doing this amazing experience with this producer, Malay. Um, once I settled and kind of got over the fear and got my ducks in a row, me and my girlfriend, we kind of went um, into, into ourselves a bit and kind of went on, on a massive learning um, kind of Exploration. So I went. I have. I've got a little studio uh, at my house. It was. I've converted the spare room into a music studio, and so I was in there pretty much six hours of the day. And Monica, my girlfriend, was in the main house. Um, she was actually teaching yoga still um, online, mm-hmm. but also kind of trying to figure out her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so we would have coffee in the morning and then just split. And do our thing, and I I learnt pretty much so much of what I know now in terms of producing music, making music, mix, mixing, sound manipulation, and the lockdown, like pretty much, and it's taken me, it's elevated me and like hugely, and like I was just, it was like being back at university, it's like I had all these things I wanted to do, I had all these like. I found this um, website, which is kind of like the Netflix for like um, the world's best producers, mix, mix engineers, mastering mm. engineers, and they just like do videos like twenty minutes to forty minutes long, where they take you through a song and take you through every single process and yeah. what they thought about and how they were interacting with the artist and the kind of philosophy behind what they were trying to do with the song. Mm-hmm. So I just went. It's, it was, it's quite expensive. It's something like five hundred bucks a year, wow. and I was just like, "Got it!" Yeah, and just studied it like no tomorrow. Wow, and learnt so much. Yeah, that's cool. That's you know the cool thing about you know I guess you know you had to take the good from the bad, and the, it wasn't a good situation, and you wouldn't wish it upon you know us ever again. But at the same time, you know, like if you can do something like that, or spend time with your family, or learn something, or read something, or make you know the, the people who who I don't think lockdown was good for for the people that just drank and you know and and didn't have a productive time you know it was a really an opportunity to be productive and learn something and yeah and, for sure and uh, and connect so i mean everyone was different but that was um you know it's interesting that as a band did you you know were you in contact a lot were you sort of you know i mean obviously you were looking at thinking forward about things like live shows and was that sort of on the cards at all or you were just in your own individual thing saying hey let's just Keep tabs on things and we'll touch base. For, so the first lockdown was four weeks, eh? Mm, that, yeah. Those f- first four weeks, of, yeah, we're just by ourselves. Yeah. Everyone's just like, just look after yourselves, focus on you you and your families and stuff like that. Um, so it wasn't much interaction. But 
as soon as that first lockdown was done and we were like we were able to get together, um, we went on this uh, almost opposite kind of. We swung straight into. We went in the studio as a band every day for like I think it was a good month, solid month, just almost doing what Gilbert was kind of advising, just playing, having, and fun, yeah. having fun and seeing what comes out. But we had a studio so we could record it. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of, we, we said to ourselves, let's just have fun. And if anything inspires us to keep molding the song, let's go there if, if we go there. And man, we, we were so productive. We probably came up with like a good 15 ideas, like wow. really cool ideas that yeah. are still, um, we're still like, still bouncing around. And I think for the first time we saw potential and we're talking about the start of the podcast about potential of what we could do together and um, how we could create an album fully together and something that transcends the five of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And almost like self-producing and not having to rely because I guess the lockdown kind of taught us, um, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to travel to complete an album mm-hmm. or or have someone come in, it would be nice to just be able to do it amongst the five of us. And when we kind of stood back and looked at what the five of us have been doing, we've all been doing different stuff. Like Macho and I have been writing a lot of the songs and kind of co-producing the songs for 660 pretty much exclusively, meaning not doing any writing for anyone else. Mm-hmm. But the other guys have been out there working with different artists, um, you know, Jai and Eli and Chris helped produce Mitch James and um, Chris has been prolific with Rockquest and um, helping produce songs for up-and-coming young artists. Um, Jai's done some other stuff. And so when we looked at what everyone's been doing, we're like, even the experience everyone has, there's, there's we could create an album together and it you know, yeah. everyone has experience in yeah. it. So it's just a matter of doing it now. And it's it just feels like it's um this 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 uh quote came to us recently, JFK when he was talking about going to the moon. And he and he says something like, um we're going to the moon not because it's easy, because it's hard and you know, we want to do hard things. And that's the exact feeling we have. It's like it's not gonna be easy, it's gonna be hard, but that's why we're gonna do it because it is hard and we like to challenge ourselves and I don't know if you've seen the movie yeah the whole challenging ourselves thing has been a constant through our career um, it just hasn't been altogether creating an album with no no help out from the yeah. outside yeah. it's only that's where our potential lies and I feel like once we do that and and and, and we have to make it we can't just do it because we, we need to do it we yeah. need to make sure that it's like Better or as as good, just really great. Yeah, it has to be greater than anything we've done. Yeah, like that's the challenge. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah, I like that though. That, that it's that so sort of you know that it's that stark principle that that Ryan Holiday has that sort of the obstacle is the way. You know that it's the it's the mountain that is the the challenge. You know, and it's the you know the easy the easy path is um is is not doesn't lead to great things you know and if and if you want to do great things you've got to you know it's got to be uncomfortable and there's got to be some challenges and and it's tough and that's why not everyone can do it yeah you know i think and that spills into everything 
into yes. life like you know if you want to if you want to get stronger you have to yeah has to suck you have to go through yeah, like for sure. you yeah. know if you yeah. want to get healthy you kind of have to not eat sugar and yeah. like gorge out on chocolate yeah. and like whatever whatever is not serves your body yeah. you kind of just have to kind of oh, I have to give that it up it has to be a sacrifice you know? yeah, it has to be and, a sacrifice. and, that's, and that's, that's challenging yeah it is and and the thing is which I often find is that you know people can want things which is which is fine and aspire to something but you have to understand that there's a sacrifice for that and are you willing to to do it you know because you can say that I want a six pack everyone wants a six pack there's probably not many people that don't maybe there are but you know like it's, it's like are you willing to make the sacrifice in order to do that and the sacrifice to do that is you have to eat incredibly well you have to be very lean you have to train a lot you know, have to be low body fat which is, can be a hard thing um, and you know it's the there's a cost of, of nearly everything and um, and, and not everyone the, the problem the problem is when people want something but aren't willing to make the sacrifice you know yeah. and, that, and there's that or go that, go that extra mile like yeah. I was talking to a friend the other day and um, he, he he trains like really hard and his family he said his family says him, what what are you training for and he's like why are you training so hard you, know, you, you can do half of that and you'll be okay he's like this you know, he's all about optimization you know mm-hmm. and trying to squeeze that extra one to five percent of energy he can muster mm-hmm. in a day and um he, he tries to explain that to his family and they, they, they're like they're in the mindset of like just do what's just good enough, you yeah. know. There's no, no need to, to really yeah. push yourself. Yeah. But um, we both um, we both uh, talk about how you're going those that extra mile and really pushing yourself. It is almost like a never-ending kind of path you can yes. go down. Yeah, and you it, it, it doesn't this it doesn't really get to a diminishing part unless you over fatigue yourself. Um, you can you can kind of find this path. Where you just work harder and harder, yep. and you know you, this holistic thing. You got to get make sure your sleep's right. You can't yes. sacrifice sleep just yes. to get yes. train harder, or like yep. sacrifice other stuff. You, that if you if you f- go deeper and harder and more um, in depth for, for all these things, it just you just get more energy. You get uh, you feel better. You feel healthier. You feel focused yeah yeah. it's that sort of I read a book recently called Legacy it's about the All Blacks a very very good book Gilbert's in it a lot actually um, you'd like it, it um, and there's a there's a part in there and it was um, it was, it was I can't remember it exactly I don't want to you know, misquoted, but it was like greatness requires extra, or like great people do more, and was that do the extra mile? And it was, and they're talking about you know, like it's the one more rep than you you're comfortable with, or it's the you know just when you you know it's one more page, or it's one more you know writing, or one more song, or it's just that little bit extra, and it's um that's you know that's where a lot of people don't go, you know, is that is that extra part? Yeah, and and the downside to that is it builds up this rigidity, like we were saying at the start, like if you keep pushing and pushing like Gilbert said one thing he's like some uh he said we're conditioned to um to relate hard work to success it's not necessarily um true mm-hmm. and it's like it's about just being fully engaged mm-hmm. and the hard work is just a result of being fully engaged yeah. and you know it doesn't feel like hard work yeah but we're conditioned to think we need to go it needs to be painful it needs to be we need to be like absolutely tortured and that's we have to go there in order to have results mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily yeah, true yeah necessarily yeah yeah it's a good point i've got to i said to you before i've got to get good on here like it's been um 
it's been so there's so many different people from so many different backgrounds that have he's got to be the most quoted person on this podcast I think because <laughs> yeah he's, everyone he's has, has obviously has 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 um his sort of connections are, are wide and vast and yeah. um yeah it's a, it's a really good point um so yeah I watched a movie last week Sally and I went and checked it out um what did you think uh well I've seen it probably like. Seven, eight times, yeah. and I've picked up something different from it. You know, it was different from being from the inside and kind of being in the middle of the story and trying to trying to step out and see what the what the story is actually saying. And yeah, every time I watched it, I picked up something, especially with the how. Um, I mean, um, Julia Parnell and Dion, the editor, did such an amazing job lining up the. Um, the mu- the lyrics and the music to our story, like it's so finely tuned. That aspect of it, it just blows me away. You know, like it would have taken them hours and hours of listening to our music. We you know, our back catalog's quite big now, and listening to the lyrics and feeling what the sentiment we're trying to push for. And um, I, I said we we did the Auckland premiere. And afterwards, that you know, that was the big one, the big, the big premiere. It, we all dressed up, and it was like the end of watching watching the movie like eight times. It was like eighth time we've seen it, and I had time to kind of think about all the times I've seen it. And we did a speech after watching the movie. We stood up in front of everyone, and we we did some speeches. And I just remember it kind of just was just like um, spilled out of me. But I was basically, I basically said. We, we, when we wrote these songs, we actually, for a, most of them, we didn't have an intention. We were just, there was no like, this song's about this, it, clearly about this. It was, I remember it being, we were just trying to wait until it felt right. Like the feeling of like, yeah, that's it. The, the lyrics are kind of like ambiguous, but they what they do do is hit the feeling of yes. what we're trying to yeah. do. And what Julia did, the director, Julia Parnell, she she realised that it, it was coming from somewhere. And what you see in the movie and how the songs relate to the story, that's exactly where the songs come from. Yeah. And I, I just said that. I was like, it's so amazing and it just blows me away how you picked that up. And yes, that's where those songs came from. What you see in the movie is where those songs come from and the feeling that w- what we were going through at the time was in that in the song we wrote. But at the time, we didn't know that, yeah. you know, and I said that and I was just, yeah, just so thankful and grateful for her to, to, you know, she she works so incredibly hard to get to that point. It was a two-year process um, and, man, she did an amazing job. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That was one of the things I took out of it was that it was almost like you had the story and then you wrote the songs to go with the story. Like imagine if there was a movie without any music and then you went back and you produced the songs to fit the story. That's how well it was sort of put together. Except the songs were written over a span of 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, way before the movie was um, put together. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I, um, Yeah, we loved it. It was, um, I mean, did you ever think you'd have a movie? <laughs> like, No, and, um, you know, so we talked to a few people like um, we had um, the fortunate, uh, we're fortunate to meet, catch up with Dan Carter recently. And, you know, he's had a um, documentary um and he, he 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 said to us, he's like, it's, it's amazing that you guys created a documentary about your life story in the middle of what you're doing, not at, not necessarily near the end of your career. 
and um, he's like, he's like, just because he's been through the process, he's like, man, I can, I can imagine how that would energize you into your next next uh, phase of your career. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, man, it's like it, it's brought us together in such a loving and strong way. All five of us, we we um, we understand each other way more, and we 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 kind of have this connection that's I think undeniable now and um like i said before it's like taking that and doing these things that we've never done before as a band for the first time mm-hmm. and i'm so excited about what's going to happen and the music that's going to pour out of us once we get to that kind of get into that uh mode of like just at fully full engagement yeah yeah, it's certainly, you know, we talked about the the hero's journey on the last podcast, you know, and the movie is that, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, it's that, you know, I guess that's how movies are sort of, you know, designed, but it's sort of, you know, that you're starting off and then there's the, the challenges you encounter. And then it's certainly that was the feeling I got by the end of it, that it was, you were really now coming into something that was special. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. I was, um, and we obviously I was sort of preparing for this, but I was uh, taking notes in the movie. I was probably one of the only person in the theatre taking notes. But um, one thing that took me back in there um, when I was watching the movie was that um, you know we didn't really get into it last time, but you know you had quite a um, you know tough upbringing. I talked about you, and um, you know you, you grew up in a place that you know you didn't even necessarily feel entirely safe. You know, walking home from school. Um, you know, I know that you, you didn't know your your birth father. Um, the the the, the man that, that is your dad, you know, that raised you was a, um, a founding member of the mongrel mob, which I had no idea. Um, and, but still what, what, what I, what just in my mind and from what I know of you just really sort of, um, you know, encapsulated you was the fact that, you know, you took all these lessons from that, you know, like I think you talked about, um, you know, you learn like brotherhood and looking after your mates and standing up for what you believe in. And I just thought that's such a, you know, it's such a great, way to look at things and, and take so you can learn everything so anything from from anyone and um you know if you you know i, I read a book recently called the happiness hypothesis have you heard of that have no. you read it no um i forget the author um and so in it he talks about um he talks about adversity and he said like and it's like a thought experiment and he said if like if you've got a child um, which I had, so it was quite easy. And he said, you know, like if you could look at their life, uh, you could see their entire life about to play out in front of you. And he said, you could see, you know, on a timeline the adversity that they are going to encounter in their life. You know, like you could see, like I don't know, maybe they break their arm when they're six, and I don't know, maybe their best friend moves to a different country when they're twelve. Maybe they fail an exam and 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 maybe miss out on a job or something. And he said, like as a parent, would you, um, you know, would you? change it would you try and if you could take if you could wave a magic wand and remove the adversity from their life would you do it and like it's quite an interesting sort of experiment because you know as a parent or anyone a friend or or a family member you'd go well i'd I'd like to do that of course i would i like i don't want my daughter to break her arm or have her heart broken or miss out on something but at the same time you know when you have a bit of I don't want to say maybe wisdom, but a retrospect, but a hindsight, you sort of can you can look back and you you recognize that it's the you are who you are because of the challenges that you went through, your and everything. And and you know, and and for someone like you, I would suggest, or you know, you can correct me, but it sort of seems like, you know, where you are today is, is if I could if you could sort of forecast, hey, would it be good for Marlon to be able to walk home from school and feel safe? Like, yeah. 
probably that you know most people would you know, you'd, you'd think that but you look to where you are now and you may be like oh that has sort of helped build me and who I am would that be fair for sure like there's so many things like uh, during the the process of making the movie and, and especially with my dad in that interview we had what you see in the movie is like minutes long you know but it was two full days of just sitting down with my dad almost like in a podcast setting which I've never ever done in my life having these questions having this framework to really talk about how we felt about each other's life and how he grew up and his background never had the chance and the, because he he's just the type of person that he's very jokey you probably saw some scenes in the movie where he talks about the tea bags and he's like, oh, you know, that that's what I remember of him. Mm-hmm. And it, it was almost, I guess, it was his coping mechanism, laughter and kind of joking around, you know. Yeah. But having that opportunity to sit down with him and really like go through his life and then go through my life and our life together um, was just amazing. And I learned so much and I, there's still things I'm learning about it today that just come through every now and then to pop up in my mind. Oh, yeah. And um, for sure, man, like I learned I wouldn't be – 100% wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't go through what I went through. And and it's actually something that's on my mind when I have kids. It's been a fear of mine. It's like I've got to the point in my life where I'm pretty certain that my kids are going to have a good life. And I'm like, but – I don't want them to be the type of kid who's spoiled or ungrateful or doesn't have that burning desire to mm-hmm. to do well because they can always fall back on their parents. That's my yeah. biggest fear. And yeah. so I'm I'm still trying to figure it out. Like I'm still a while away from having kids. Like how do I how do I, how, you do, you know cuz yeah. like, like you said you don't want to you don't want to put them in those um scenarios but you at the same time you don't want to keep them cotton-wooled from yeah. those things. So it's yeah. like I'm still thinking about it now. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting concept, isn't it, that, that you wouldn't actually remove the adversity from their life if you could, and but you don't want them to go through it. It's you a don't want to be intentional about it's a paradox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. And I think that, you know, like, um, you know, you know, everyone's life's different and my story's certainly a lot different to yours, but, the you know, the things that, that, that at the time you always think like, you know, like the things that have happened to me have been accidents, you know, so it's like, why did this have to happen to me? And But, you know, you, again, you, you get a bit of wisdom and a bit of retrospect and hindsight and experience and you realise that the challenges you've overcome are now like a layer of armour almost, you know, they 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 become the, the lens which you can experience the world through and they become, you know, a, a, a cloak that you can sort of protect you a little bit. And if so, you choose to take them that way. Yeah. Which I've I've found as as uh, as I've grown up, and just kind of you know meet a lot of people that I don't know like if you were to like step right back and kind of do a survey of people and try and survey your goal is how many people actually take those challenges on and like as as lessons and how many people just don't do anything about it like I don't know but it seems to be quite even. 50 yeah. 50 yeah. people just take it on and it just builds up and they just get you know have trouble yeah. with those challenges and mm. then other people strive off those challenges yeah well the, the tough thing it's easy when it's in hindsight I think it's easy when it was three or four years ago or five years or a decade ago mm. it's easy to look back and say that the, the real challenge is when something's happening to you now to be like this is good for me mm. you know and which may, is hard man yeah, yeah. even just for, you know talking about the lockdown yeah I remember being in it 
knowing, telling myself, oh, I don't know what I'm going to learn from this, but I know I'm going to learn something. And then it, every day was like, this sucks being in, like, just, I can't do anything. Being a driven person, you can't go and do things, can't be with the band, can't exercise properly, you can't do all these things. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's like, you just have to trust and just yeah. be patient yeah. and know that, yeah, six months yeah. after the ordeal, yes. you'll start to get the lessons. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, it's Tony Robbins is that quote that um, you have to you have to think that life is happening for you, not to you. Mm. You know, and like, and whatever is in front of you is is something that is is will ultimately help shape. You know, and and it, and it can be hard because you can encounter things like you know real sort of adversity, like you know a health scare, for example, like a real serious health scare. You know, um, I had Jake Bailey on the podcast. He was the young Christchurch boys high school student who got diagnosed with cancer and got given forty eight hours to live without treatment. Um, in, in his last year of high school, you know, and, you know, like I, I doubt at the time you'd think that God, this is, you know, you know that I'm going to learn a lot from this, but he, he now, his his life is, is actually telling his story and what he went through there. And mm. it's, um, but yeah, you can get some really tough challenges, but if you can, if you can frame them mentally that this is going to be something that will make me better and I can learn from it, mm. you know, that life's happening for me, mm. that, um, and, and whether it is or not, you can't change it, so you might as well think that way. Yeah, yeah, hard out. Yeah, you, it is tricky, man. It's, it's one of those things that, um, I don't know, man, like, it's almost like a bit of luck's involved if you happen to be in a scenario where you can actually think that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know, people with kids, you know, I don't have kids, so, like, I can imagine that layer and um, imagine, you know, if you're not kind of doing well financially, that layer, or if you have have health issues or even, like, worse, you know, you're in a, an abusive environment. I think, you know, they just don't think those things, you know. They just no, have to just deal day to day with the survival. S- survival, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, feel for them. For those people, and and you know, not to say that I go through those moments, but yeah, I feel I feel I'm very grateful that I can, I, mean, I have the opportunity to think every challenge is uh, some lesson in some way. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. Um, did you feel that the movie like uh, portrayed you? Is it sort of what you imagined? Is what I mean? Like, because I imagine like you know, like you film it, and then it's probably like months later that you might see a cut or something. And and and, and I know very much that you can do something, and then you, know, you can it, it can be cut up and, and and portrayed differently. Like, did you sort of foresee the the product that it is now? Did you sort of is that what you envisaged? Well, um, it all comes back to Julia Parnell, the director. Mm-hmm. She is just. She's just right on the money in terms of like the story, balance of the story, like making sure that the truth is told like with no filter and told from different uh, perspectives, trying to get like a well-rounded view of the story. And in terms of like the way I saw myself, and and I'm still getting lessons from, from this movie, is that on the screen, it's the best version of me. It's the most truthful it's the most loving, most kind of wise and introspective version of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she portrays this, portrays that of everyone, I think. Everyone's like, you know, if they took all the bullshit away, the words coming out of their mouth, so that's what they, mm-hmm. th- their intention. Um, so that's the number one thing that for me out of the movie that I keep thinking about. I'm like, I almost want to be that person yeah. more and more each day. Be like, you know, have the courage to speak the truth and be vulnerable, and to 
to follow the path of like that that path and love and uh, as opposed to you know all these other distractions that come with life um so yeah the the, the movie really uh, I'm really frank about things and vulnerable about things um emotional and yeah I feel like it's really really well-rounded yeah it was great. We loved it. And it was, um, weirdly enough, and this sounds like a weird thing to tell you, but like we both dreamed about you guys that night. Like we dreamed about the band. Like we, I woke up in the morning and, um, and, um, I went to the gym and I got back and I said to Sally, you know, how'd you sleep? And she's like, oh, it was weird. I dreamed about 660. And I was like, me too. Like, I'd, I don't know why it was, but it was, um, yeah, it was cool. And, and, um, how are things like with your label now? Cause it was sort of, I mean, I, don't, I didn't, didn't know, you know, all the sort of different stuff that had gone on and, and different labels that you'd had and things and like it was hilarious that you know you you got to uh, to Berlin sorry and they'd like made your song forever into like this like Euro trash pop sort of like version mm. like I didn't even know that was a like a that they could do that but um you know what's what are the things like now what are the dynamics now like what's the you're with Epic is it now well, yeah. yeah we're with Epic Records mm-hmm. um and yeah at the end of the movie we just made that deal um so that's only been I don't think it's been a year, maybe just a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we're at a good place with these guys. Um, you know, the last two ex- the experiences we had in the movie, we actually didn't even release anything. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't even get to that point. So at least we've got that now. The first the big step of releasing something with the label, um, we've done that. We've got a whole album. You know, usually it's one song, but we've got a whole album. So it's a great start. You, you don't know how things are going. And the, really the lockdown and the pandemic have kind of kind of mixed everything up a bit because we had this whole plan pre-pandemic to we had all these festivals and all these meetings and all these kind of like special performances all planned in America um and so they had to be all pushed to the side and you know they they're going through stuff as as a company because they're based in in America and you know, America's been hit hard with the pandemic and all the other things that they've been going through, the racial tensions, you know, the political landscape, the turmoil there. And so they've been really busy and we, it's kind of it's kind of been actually good for us because um, we had to pivot, obviously, because of those reasons and and look inwards. And like, like I said before, it's like we had to kind of like keep thinking of the idea of like, we should try and figure out a system and a process where we can complete music, which is our main thing, without any help from label, producers, anyone from outside the five of us. Really pushed that idea to the forefront of our minds because we had no no option but to think that. Yeah. We weren't allowed, we couldn't travel. Um, the, the, the label... Epic is in America. The producers we've been working with Malay, especially, is in America. Um, all the opportunities to um, expand in the market are outside of New Zealand because New Zealand, I think, I think is like right up there now. We're kind of nearly hitting the ceiling of what we could hit, you know. Um, and so it has forced us to kind of look look within the five of us and go. We should try and, while we have the time, try and work out how we can like create music and release music f- from like the very beginning of writing right to mixing, mastering, all the market marketing, all the visual stuff, music videos. 
we sh- maybe should, it's a good idea, we should figure out how to do this in New Zealand amongst the five of us mm-hmm. so that we have that just in case this thing happens again. Yeah. And then and then we st- we're starting to think further. It's like, oh, actually, maybe I can I, I can feel personally that if once we get going in that space, it's going to be the most fulfilled we've ever been as the five of us with the movie and, and, and with this, hopefully get into a process a place where it's like working I think will be so undeniable like yeah. it will be and it will transcend everything um, you know and when we're not there yet but that's the exciting thing that's we've got that to work yeah, on yeah 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 um, yeah it's interesting that it's definitely throwing challenges around and, and I guess you know because uh, last year you guys did your your shows and, and sort of you guys sort of I don't want to say snuck in but they were sort of like just before we sort of things started to kick off there was sort of that January February time again and then sort of two like, weeks before lockdown yeah we finished our last show yeah so like you sort of had your summer tour sort of thing and then it, then we went to lockdown and then it sort of opened back up again and now you're able to do shows again but yeah yeah it's that interesting sort of process in the middle um, and with a with a with an international record label it's a um, I mean we look at it now and we, no one knows when we're going to be able to go overseas again or visit other things and um, you know it's great you guys are I mean it's great for us in New Zealand because you guys are playing all these shows oh, for man. us it is just, it's just like I I have to really really um, work on the, the gratitude part of that because you know it's been so long without like a um, community outbreak and especially nothing compared to what's going over and around the rest of the world that you know, it's, it's, it takes a bit of effort to kind of feel the yeah. You take it for granted, don't you? Yeah, you take it for granted, and you kind of like you know. Even well, the other week there was like a scare in Auckland or Northland, and literally that could have locked down the whole tour. Like level, the whole country would have been at level two like last time, mm-hmm. just for precaution. And that, and that yeah. couldn't, we couldn't play. Yeah. So, man, I I felt it then. That week yeah, was bet. tough. It was like, oh man, this is gonna, <laughs> this is actually happening. Like, yeah. We're not even halfway through our tour, and now we it could all be stopped. Yeah. I guess it gives you some perspective when you guys have got like international news channels reaching out to you because it's like bizarre, isn't it? We it's take it for really granted. Like, and like I was just saying like to our manager, you know, this is, this is the, literally the first time we've ever had international exposure at this level. Like nothing, n- not even remotely close. And to think that, you know, two years ago if someone said there's going to be a pandemic and you guys are going to get your first massive international exposure, I'd be like, <laughs> what? No. Doesn't make sense, does and it, it happened, and it, it just, it's just so bizarre. You're the biggest band in the world at the moment, really. Uh, yeah, you know, that's the shit, thing. Like, it's like what? It's kind of technically true, and it's like, and and the people that's when you take it. That's when I knew I was taking it for granted because you could see with those interviews of people on the other side in in, in England and in Europe, just like you can see it in their in their face, like they're like that, basically saying without saying it, you guys don't know what it's like to be where yeah. we are and to see you guys playing without any social distancing mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder no issues no worries whatsoever and yeah. I was like oh yeah but I was like it must be so bad over there and I like know. you start to read into it and they've got these rolling lockdowns and you start to see the numbers of cases and yeah. the number of deaths and you're like 
Man, that's intense. Yeah, yeah you feel a little bit, I don't want to say guilty is maybe not the right word, but yeah, yeah, you're right that we can we can have fun and dance and sing with, you know, 20,000 people and, and uh, in their house, you know, like it's, um, and, 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 you know, as human beings, like I think that a vital part of our well-being is our connection, you know, like mm-hmm. it's the ability to meet other people and talk to them and be involved and be around them and enjoy their company and celebrate things. And um, I mean, I felt that for the, the strongest I've ever felt it in my life. Um, so we actually went to LA to do, we did four songs like in August of last year, so like right in the middle of this pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and we had to, so we had to quarantine on yeah. the way back for two weeks yeah. in Auckland at a hotel. And that whole two weeks was, uh, man, that was that was challenging, like personally, on a, on a personal mm. level. You just by yourself in a room. By yourself in a room. And I actually chose to because I was kind of paranoid about even just going out of my room to do the exercise stuff. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to take that risk. So I just stayed in my room and did kind of exercises in this like little one meter square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I went on the internet to try to find some exercises I can do in the little one meter thing. Yeah. So I was, ended up doing like um, just press ups, sit ups, squats, yeah. a bunch of stuff that I could do. And it was actually really good. But that that whole two weeks was like, yeah, that's a whew, like this, especially the social connection, yes. just literally not touching anyone. Yeah which I don't think I've ever been in a situation like that yeah. ever in my life. Well, there's not many people have ever really, no. you know, like you know, apart from outside the last couple of years, like mm-hmm. being in a quarantine mm-hmm. environment. But, um, yeah, I mean, you still t- you still wear how lucky we are that, you know, you can just spend two weeks in a hotel and then you're back to normal life. If you walk around New Zealand at the moment, you'd have no idea. No. You walk out the door out there and there's, you know. Like Barely any you're on planes, kind of signs buses, anything, yeah. you know. Maybe when you're on a plane. Yeah. That's the only oh, you got to wear a mask. Wear a mask yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't done much flying at all um, in the last sort of, you know, even six months. But, you know, you'd have, you know, uh, there's going to be tens of thousands of people watching you tonight. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's so bizarre. You forget. You forget, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're yeah. very lucky. I mean, I, again, political views aside, I, uh, you know, you have to look at New Zealand now and say, you know, that sort of six weeks we did is was totally worth it. Totally worth it, man. Like, I remember. I remember, I remember, like six weeks into this, the, the pandemic, kind of picking up that the government was heading towards um, full uh, extermination, like just no cases, rather than just uh, at a yeah, managing it, manageable yeah. caseload. Yeah. Um, and when 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 I saw it going that way, I'm like, that's the way to go, man. Like we need to go there because it's just. Being in a grey area and being in LA in, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it, what was that like? Dude, it's I I it's like a thing now. I was like being in the grey area is worse than being is the worst place to be. Mm-hmm. It's better to be either Black one, or, one yeah. side or the other side, yeah. fully committed. Yeah. Um, and that whole idea of just full commitment and full stepping into that thing, you know, in every part of your life, like not just being one foot in one place and one foot in the other, it's the worst place to be. And that's what they were, that's what they're in LA. It's the kind of like lockdown, but not changing all the time. Some businesses are shut, some are. Yeah, so it's the, not actually killing the problem. Or, you know, I just made a bad use of the word, but you know, it's not It's not getting rid of the the, the, the transmission. No. But uh, it's killing the economy. Yeah, and it, but it's just put, it's, it's putting, in a, putting people in a mindset of, What's going on? Uncertainty. Uncertainty. And that grey area, that's what I, 
it sucks to be in, man. It's like, and then and then the flip side of that is the two extremes, right? Full lockdown or full open. Yeah. Um, I feel like those two, yeah. even though full open, <laughs> yeah. is better than being in the gray area yeah, yeah, because yeah. at least you know what exactly is, yeah. are the rules and exactly what's going on. And I think you can't really take action or move confidently if, if you're not. Yeah, certainty. Certainty, certainty yeah. yeah. And even being in um, quarantine, you know, that was the full lockdown. And I chose to stay in my room the whole two mm-hmm. weeks. And once I accepted that, I was like, sweet. Once I go into a routine. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's black and white. It's like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, easy. Wake up. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. No no doubt, no yeah. gray area, no yeah. threat. I just like, okay, no, I just have to do this every mm-hmm. day for two weeks. And it just kind of, it was hard. But um, I think, uh, well, everyone's, I guess everyone would deal with it differently. But like I ended up doing like, the, obviously the first couple of days I was like, had a routine for like an hour and then didn't know what the hell I was doing and I kind of like, oh, I'm bored. And then um, by, the, by the like, after the first week, I had a routine that took me from like waking up right through to after 7 p.m. So <laughs> yeah. the news was the last thing in my routine. Yeah. And so like I had to like figure it out. You know, each, each day was like I got up to lunchtime and then I was bored. Then the next day I got up to like after lunch, then I was bored. And then when I got to after a week, I got to like 7 p.m. It was sweet. I was like, man. Oh, this, this, yeah. is, this is easy now. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I haven't. I've never had to do it. Um, I've spoken to a few people that have, but it's. Um, yeah, that's probably the way to do it. Trying because yeah, would yeah. Were you, did you have a guitar or something? Or yeah, you'd be able to play. I had and, a guitar. Yeah. I had a yoga mat. I had. I had a bunch of things that I wanted to watch that um, or listen to that normally I wouldn't have the time to. Mm-hmm. Or I could just like spend a good two hours like. I learned about um, one thing. I learned about was AI. Oh yeah, and the machine learning, mm-hmm. and how it works on a technical level, like in how the actual program like plays out mm-hmm. stepwise. And I was like, "Whoa, that's really interesting." It's very simple at at a at a um, microscopic level, mm-hmm. but as as more things, more components get, get in, mm-hmm. and and it starts it starts to go through the steps. Those simple processes are still the same, but the emergent property starts yeah. to get really extremely complex. Yeah. And I actually came across this other thing. Um, have you heard of the guy Wolfram? Um, no. He's like a, well, I forgot his first name, but Wolfram, he's 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 a guy who ma- made this, um, he was firstly, he's well known for making a like a math program, um, kind of like, I guess like Google, but mm-hmm. for math. Oh, so yeah. you could you can in the in the search thing you can just type in like an equation and it'll give you the graph and yeah, yeah. like the results. Okay. And you or you can actually just say it in English, go oh, yeah. what what is the population density of France and it'll just give you like all the stats. Wow. Like so it's just made for like analytical stuff. So mm-hmm. that's what he was famous for. But he, he's actually stumbled across the um very early in, in the process and the idea, but he stumbled across a, um, he was studying these patterns. This is just really interesting, but he was studying these patterns of like, um, if you had just had like three rules, for example, you have like, like a rule that it says like, if you have a line that goes from, just say you have dots on a paper, you have mm-hmm. a line that goes from one dot to the other mm-hmm. and say, say you had three dots and they're labeled ABC mm-hmm. And you had a line, and it had a rule that said, if you're at A, you have to go to B. If you're at B, you have to go to C, then A. So you create a loop. Mm-hmm. 
um, that was the rule. And he had and these these he has a bunch of different rules. He he has like something like three hundred different types of rules like that. But very easy stuff like going from A to B. Mm-hmm. And if you if you start at B, you have to go to C then A. Or if you start at C, you have to go to A. Um, or you know. Imagine yep, heaps of rules. Yeah, so yeah. very simple like that. So he studied that for a while and just going nowhere, just playing around. And he found that um, basically, without going into detail, that one of the rules for that really simple system has this. What's spilled out of it is that pretty much every theory of physics and every law of physics known to man. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. And he's only in the very early stages of it. And a lot of, he's getting a lot of slack because he's not a physicist. He's a mathematician, mm-hmm. kind of been in the, you know, this whole, the whole tribal things kind of playing out, yeah. political things like you don't have the right to yeah. kind of, kind of like stand up and say you have a theory of everything in physics um, when you have like barely been in the scene. Um, but I, He's, he's starting to kind of get a bit of attention now and he's starting to develop the ideas more. Einstein's equations starting to come out. Like all these all these kind of levels of physics mm-hmm. through the ages are starting to pour out. Yeah. Just simple rules like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's such an engineer in you, isn't it? That's kind of like- <laughs> <laughs> you've got these like, you know, you've got these two sort of very different sort of, um, it's almost a left and a right brain, you know, like a, a, you've, you've sort of got a, a, a sort of equal balance of both, you know, uh, from my opinion anyway. It's sort of, you've got this sort of artistic, creative um, sort of side, which is obviously, you know, very good. And then you've got this real sort of, um, you know, detailed sort of um you know black and white engineering structural organizational sort of side as well and um it's quite unique isn't it normally you get people very creative and that's sort of them and they like designing stuff and making stuff and building stuff and you get people that are you know um are very um what's the word sort of like not logistical but very sort of process driven and um and you know people that like you know numbers and accountants and stuff like that but you're sort of in the middle that's an interesting thing to look up during lockdown (laughs) yeah well i don't know man i I, I just just love that but like going back to what you said um just just through the movie process um this this kind of process driven part of myself this analytical ordered side of my brain you know what would you say? This is the left side of the brain. Yeah, yeah, sure. yep. something like that. It's we'll opposite with, we'll to it. left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that that was born out of my upbringing. You know, from the movie. Uh, you know, in a general sense, I was in chaos, mm-hmm. and so order for me was a way to kind of get through life. Yeah, I, I needed to find something, certainty. Certainty. I needed certainty in my life yeah. to feel not feel anxious and mm-hmm. nervous all the time. I needed these processes, and like I remember. The earliest thing I remember is um, that's why I'm into this stuff, like this kind of this wisdom and the art of living and meditation and stuff. The reason why I'm into this, which I realized during the process of the movie, is because I learned, I think I was like maybe eight, and a policeman come over home. You know, I think my brother and sister were in trouble or something. For some reason, there was a police officer at my house um, talking to my dad. Which was on, uh, which happened a lot, and this one particular cop, um, he kind of he started talking to me. I think he he must have realised I was I was a bit more I was different to my siblings, which I am quite a bit. Um, and he 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 told me a story, and it was the first time I guess I've had this heard some wisdom, 
in such a concentrated way. And he said to me, he said, hey, have you thought about getting a job, getting some extra pocket money, like, you know, doing a paper run or stuff like that? And it's just not in my mind at all, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I was just like trying to survive here. But um, he's like, uh, let me give you some advice. Um, he, and he told me a story about his upbringing. He's like, my mum told me once that um, if I want to get a job sweeping the factory you know, just down the road, go go there every day and ask if they have a job. And don't be don't be like let down by a no. You need to go back and ask again. But the next time you ask, make sure that you don't create an, an annoyance. Don't don't be too obnoxious about it. Be patient about it and you know, be be mindful of the situation because every time you go back you could create some tension, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to be an, this annoying kid that mm-hmm. comes back. So it was like the lesson on, um, what do you say, Liz, um, persistence mm-hmm. and patience together. Yeah. And um, he's like, I went I went to that factory every day for like f- like something like two weeks. And I went, asked the same question, hey, do you have a job for me, maybe sweeping the floor? No, disheartened. Mm-hmm. Go back the next day. Kind of wait a bit, and then the guy's like, "You here for you want to do a sweeping job?" Yeah? I said no, but then he'll be like, "Okay, sir, you know, be kind about it." And then he'll just wait outside, even further away, and the, so the guy could just see him. So he wasn't getting annoyed because it wasn't in his face all the time. And eventually, the boss was like, "Oh, this kid has got good intentions. Uh, he seems like he's, you know, he really wants this thing. So I'm just going to give him a go, even though he doesn't. I don't need it, but." I just love the persistence, yeah. and the, you know. And so he he got the job, and and then he said, "Now the next step is once you get that job, you do the best job possible. You don't just turn up and just do what's needed, or do just what's good enough. You you over excel. Be conscious of what's going on. You know, don't just do what the job you're given. If you need if someone needs help, just mm-hmm. help a hand. And that's the next step. You know, like forgetting the Getting a job is only the first step, and then the third the third step is just consistency. And um, I remember hearing that, and I'm like, oh. And like two years later, my, one of my friends had got like a job at a supermarket, mm-hmm. and it was like everyone started getting jobs at supermarkets, just like packing shelves and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, this is my chance to apply this idea. Yeah, yeah. And I applied it so like mindfully and carefully, and it was hard because it was for me. It was like probably like a month long <laughs> of going to the supermarket, going up to the kiosk where, oh, I guess it's the, um, what would you call it? The, yes, yeah, you know, the main customer kiosk, service customer sort of service thing, yeah. and going, oh, hi, I was wondering if there's a job. It's like, <laughs> and then they got got to know my name. I'm like, hi, Marlon, no job, sorry. And I was just walking, turn around, go go away. Yeah. And then one day, yeah, after a month, oh, is there, is there a job? Oh, I didn't even have to say it. That's mm. like, Hey Marlon, just sit down. And I was like, "Oh, what's going on here?" <laughs> and then um, I had to sit there for like two hours, and I was like, "Oh man, what's going on?" Like maybe they forgot. Oh, I don't want to bug them, uh, and I'll just kind of show face and lean over so they can see me. And I'm like, it just seemed like nothing was going on. I was yeah. like, "Oh man, it's like two hours have gone. I'm getting hungry and stuff." And then the boss comes, and he's like, "Hey Marlon, how you going?" And I'm like, "Good." And he's like, um, "Yeah, you got a job." And I'm like, 
just so stoked. And then he was like, I was like, what am I doing? He's like, um, you come here next Monday and I'll tell you what you're doing. So then I applied the second step and I just, I remember the guy going, oh man, you got some, uh, you're very intuitive, you know, you're, you're not just doing your job, you, you know, you're, but he didn't know that I had this yeah. lesson that I was trying to like actually put into action. And then I was like doing extra stuff and getting compliments about it. I was like, oh, awesome, man. That's really cool of you to, you know, do that. I didn't ask you to do that. That's mm. awesome. And then I was there for like my throughout the whole of high school. So that the consistency thing. Yeah. Never really never never complained, never um asked for more money. I just but I remember getting pay rises because mm-hmm. of my work ethic. And that was my first job and I had it for five years. And then I took that that thing into university mm-hmm. and that's, I guess that's how I got through university, yeah, yeah. just applying the same yeah. principle. But that that was my first experience with wisdom at that early age. And ever since then, I've, that's, I think that's why I'm so attracted to these things yeah. is because, you know, wisdom is kind of implies that it's these years and years of experience of people trying these things. And what I've learned is that it's, it's really easy to take on information and like I, I find myself taking almost too too much information and not applying it so mm-hmm. I guess when I when we last met up I was like piles and piles of information of wisdom and ways of doing mm-hmm. things and not much action and I think what I've what's happened over the last two years since our last talk was I've kind of applied a lot of the information and not and and kind of found found a lot of it doesn't work for me or or a, an alternative yeah. Of the information works, and I've kind of built up this kind of hacked together these yeah. parts of wisdom that serve me. And, and one thing I've I've learned over the last couple of years is that not all wisdom works for everyone. Just like a diet, like there's not one size fits all. It's a very personalized yeah. thing. And like what what one thing that works for me is not necessarily going to work for someone else. But I still encourage people to try it anyway, just yes. to find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we were saying before, you, know, you can read a book at one time and you can go back and read it a year later and it can have an entirely different meaning. Mm. Um, but no, you're right. The, the, I mean, the wisdom, the, the, the sort of virtues you talk about, sort of you know, perseverance or persistence, um, patience, work ethic and consistency are, 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 are valid and important in any arena for any human being. Mm. You know, it's... Um, it's interesting where you you know it's funny you, you take that right back from a from a police officer when you were you know seven or eight years old and yeah and the, and the, that, the that chaotic one, environment that, I was in that one little thing he's given you has, yeah. has shaped you know a whole lifetime. I, I really want to um, get in touch. Check him like, down. Yeah, I, yeah. I know his last name is like Dullo or something like that. Yeah, and I remember what he looks like. Just, yeah, and uh, yeah, I just really want to just yeah. And what was where are you from? What's your town called? Uh, Napier. It was Napier. Yeah, yeah Marae Nui. Yeah. Yeah, it was a police officer in Napier. And when, what year would it have been? Uh, that would have been... Early 90s? Yeah, maybe like 99 maybe. Oh yeah, late 90s. Yeah, late 90s actually. Maybe I was a bit older. Marae Nui, I was probably like, probably like more like 10, 11. Yeah. Oh, well. Late, late 90s, early, yeah, yeah. early 2000s, yeah. Well, we'll see. Um one thing that that I really uh, sort of I noticed on, in the film, and you've actually talked about it today a little bit, is that you all talk about six sixty like it's in the in the, almost like a third person thing, and and you talked about today how six sixty sort of transcends us, and 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 I was I was thinking about this this morning, and I had a lot of thinking when I'm running, and I was running, and I was sort of like 
the boys use the Captain Planet analogy in the movie, and I actually it actually works quite well because I think that the, the six sixty is greater than the sum of the five of you. You know, it's it's two plus two equals six in this case, and I think you all talk about in the movie just the way you said things. It was like, um, you know, oh, like six sixty is this, and not like it wasn't like we are this. It was kind of like that. You guys come together, and then six sixty is created, and it has a life of its own. And that was actually you actually said that quote in the movie. You said, "I feel like it's got a life of its own." Is that sort of you know? Is that sort of I like the Captain Planet thing? Does that kind of make sense to you guys? And you, you, you're all your own individuals, but you come together and you create this sort of something that's really special. Is that sort of how it feels? It fully is. And um, I may have said this last time we talked. I've had this idea for a while. It was almost like a, a it was it was a revelation. Um, about five six years ago, um, I was on stage at Villa Maria, and. I don't know why this was in my head at the time, but I was playing and I was looking at the crowd and it was almost like they were not looking at us, but they were looking just above us. And the speakers are over there, right? Mm-hmm. The speakers are above us and that's the thing in between us and the crowd. And 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 a lot of them weren't even looking at us. They were looking at each other. And it was like this thing popped through my head like almost like a flash it was the um, it was I can still see the image. You know the Ghostbusters, the mm-hmm. movie. Um, in that movie, these when they catch a ghost, all the Ghostbusters mm-hmm. are together with these guns mm-hmm. and they're like ho- trying to hold on to this thing. Yeah, there's this like electric thing, yep. and they're all trying to do it together. And the only way they can like actually hold that spirit or that ghost there is that they're all like mm-hmm. doing it together and they're holding on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it felt like on stage at that particular moment. It felt like our instruments and Machu's voice were those guns and they were shooting out yeah. and holding up yeah. this thing called 660 that's yeah. almost life form. And then the crowd was reacting to that and not us. Yeah, yeah. And that's where that idea spawned from. And it, it's a, uh, um, and, and, and I've, you know, you, we were talking about last time. You were saying, you know, if you see a red car, and you have, and yeah. and you, someone tells you red car, red car, red mm-hmm. car, then you go out driving. All you're going to see is red cars. Yeah. Since that that time, I've seen all this stuff about that idea, and the 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 one big one. Um, I, I watched a TED talk with this lady called um, Elizabeth Gilbert, and she wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love. And she talks about this, and it was like a good two to three years later, I, I was watching this TED talk, and she talks about the idea of a muse, a creative muse, and how in one in one time in the, in the Greek era when Greeks were at their their peak, um, they actually it was common parlance. It was like a common idea that everyone actually thought was true that all creatives have this literally they have this muse that's real that lives in the walls of every artist and creative at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's lucky because he's got a muse that lives in his walls and gives him his creative powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, she said that she, because she had a very successful first book um, called Eat, Pray, Love, and it was like massive, massive worldwide hit. And she was trying to cope with that pressure to write her next one. And through that coping, she came across that, that the story and kind of what it 
what it means psychologically. So that the artist at the time must have mustn't have felt any pressure because mm-hmm. they blame everything on the music. Yeah. If, they, if the work sucked that they were doing, and they were like, "Wow, my muse sucks. I need yeah, to yeah. go find another one." It's <laughs> yeah, not yeah. actually the the human being. And she yeah. she says in the TED talks like, "It is a it's very very it's almost dangerous to believe that it all comes from you, and um, it's almost science. You know, science hasn't actually got to the bottom of it, but from what we know from science, that the chances of a, of an actual Actually, a, a a muse or like a a living ghosty spiritually mm. spiritual thing actually being tr- true is probably not true, but it's it's really good to imagine it. Yeah, and she imagines it a lot, and she kind of like jokes to herself. And she's like, all she needs to do is turn up and and just write. Yeah, to increase her chances of the yeah, yeah, yeah. muse yep. coming in and mm-hmm. giving her inspiration. So she's like, all I need to do is just work, and I just kind of look to the corner of my room and go whenever you're ready just come through I'm, I'm working yeah. for you like just wait and you just have yeah. to be patient and wait for it to come through yeah yeah it's cool isn't it and it's a, it's a way I guess to, to make sense it's a way for our brains to make sense of something that we can't fathom really exactly yeah um, but that's the core analogy of the Ghostbusters thing it's sort of like you're holding on and it's it's your job to try and hold it there and it's and I like the idea you talk about it's it's tough like it's not it really we're all trying really hard yeah. but that creates that thing and um, that's what it feels like live yeah. man like there's this fine line between like overthinking it and you know being in flow state mm-hmm. overthinking it or not taking it not respecting the moment and if we'll everyone there's five of us these five opportunities for that to kind of go a little bit mm-hmm. You know, and it takes takes us to lock in together, and then what you can feel it when it transcends the five of us, and you just kind of time flies, and yeah. you're just like, whoa, and yeah. you just feel this immense like you see the people reacting, and it's yeah. just like you know you're going back and forth, and it gets to this. But usually with a show, generally it's like the, after the first two or three songs, we get to that point. Yeah, on average, flow, yeah. yeah. Um, Stephen Kotler, do you know him? He's got yeah, some really I've good, heard of that guy. He wrote The Rise of Superman. Yes, I've read that um, he, um, He's got a new book coming out called The Art of Impossible, mm-hmm. and he studies like um, like extreme athletes, you know, like these like snowboarders and surfers mm-hmm. and stuff, and um, and um, he talks a lot about the flow state and um, how it's just, yeah, everything you're talking about, that sort of time vanishes and, you know, it's just you're in tune with something that's that's bigger than yourself and, the, you know, your brain does these weird things. Um, yeah, it was just an interesting thing I took out of the movie that you all talked about 660 like it was a third person. Yeah. You know, like it was a sixth member of the band. It, yeah. was, the, it was the creation of the five of you. Yeah, and, it, and when we really um, take that on and remember that, that's when we're at our best and going back to what Gilbert said to us, you know, We've been distracted a bit in the last year of the pandemic and the idea that this tour can be shut down at any moment and, you know, the pressure of writing a song that's better than what we've done in the past, like all these things, like I just you not being in the present, not yeah. being engaged in what you're doing right now. Yeah. Social media and phones and like the distraction of social media then, yeah. like it's, it just gets more intense, more intense as our success increases yeah. the, just the limelight and the distraction distractions right. and just the kind of like people wanting to you know the tall poppy syndrome here in New yeah. Zealand that, that kind of thing and all that all those things and, and then you know yes it just comes back to being fully engaged remembering that idea mm-hmm. that 
660 is only 660 when the five of us are playing together literally if you boil it down it's just when we're playing together not even if we're hanging out 660 is not around mm-hmm. yeah. it's just like we're just kind of mates Yeah. but as soon as we pick up instruments mm-hmm. it has to be all the five of us Yeah. feels weird when only some are when all five of us are jamming and we're locked in that's yeah. the only time 660 exists yeah that's cool. I mean, it's probably the same with any team, isn't it? You know, you look at like, you know, say the All Blacks, for example, like it's not the All Blacks are, the, are, the, are greater than their, the 15 people and it's the greater their parts. And any probably, you know, any probably team or group of people, it's like a, I'd say the same about a family, probably. You know, mm. it's like, you know, you're, the, we're greater than us all individually. We create something that is, you know, and you're not a whole without it. Um, without, you know, if someone's not there, it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting point. It was just a, it was just a something I, I wrote down after the movie. Um, the balcony thing that was sort of quite a, um, you know, it was a tough part of the movie. I mean, no, it was tough for you guys. Um, you know, do you? How do you reflect on it? Do you reflect on it? Is it still in your mind? Are you? Um, I don't want to say forget about it because that's not the right sort of you know terminology. But is it still something that you that you that's, that you think about at all? It's. I think it'll be with us for the rest of our lives. To be mm. honest, like it's it's such a on so many levels. It's such a um, yeah, like a very unfortunate kind of sad and hard thing to process. You know, like. Especially, you know, with um, with what happened and um, with Bailey and stuff like that, and you know, like every time we go to Dunedin, we make an effort to kind of like make sure she's looked after and she's, you know, she still loves the music and she loves coming to shows. And we we see her every time we go to Dunedin, we see her, and um, it's and she's taken it really well, and she always reminds us, like, hey, man, like. It wasn't your intention for yeah. me to be here. She has a great attitude from the bit that I saw. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was just a terrible action. But we can't separate the fact that we were a part of that accident. Yeah. And it's like such a, I guess it's just mental, psychologically, such a hard yeah. thing to, to yeah. deal with. And I don't think yeah. we'll, I think it's just something we just have to live with and, and manage. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's like that. You, you, she's right in what she's telling you in a way. You know, it's that um, it was an accident. And, and I guess it's like anything, you know, yep, things could have happened differently. And yep, things could have gone another way. But, um, you know, it's like if you have a car crash, you're like, oh, if I just left home like four seconds later, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have happened. And, um, you know, again, it's that stoic approach. It's, you know, control the controllables. It's like, you, you can't, can control how you react to yeah, it. You can't, can't control change what, what's happening. What unfolds, you know, yeah. um, and she's very right. And I think that, you know, the, you know, if you have, you have see someone who has a serious accident, um, who has a, you know, uh, their life's different because of it, you know, they having that, you know, that mindset where look, I, I can't change what happened, but I can control how I feel and what I do from here on is, mm-hmm. is powerful. And, um, yeah, I would feel the same, you know, I, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it's something that you, you know, you're aware of. And, but it was, just, it, was just, it was sad. Yeah, it was really yeah. sad, man. And it was like watching it on the movie and watching watching uh, how um, Julia kind of portrayed it. I was mm. like, oh, man, like there was so many things I didn't, I didn't realize. And this was the case throughout the whole movie, how people took each moment we've experienced in our career, like mm. how, how everyone took it. Even the the good the good bad and ugly you know like and just to see how even Machu's parents took it and to see yeah. how you know Machu had to deal with that mm. and or you know them kind of seeing how we had to deal with it and how heartbreaking it was for them because you know out of you know the Machu's parents have been from day one 
our kind of mentors in this mm-hmm. thing um, from everything from financially, from emotionally, and like they've, they've actually, I don't know involved. if it comes through in the movie enough, but they've been like our, yeah, the, our mentors, our advisors from the day one. Yeah. And I, I seen them kind of take on that. Uh, yeah, you know, I've seen them, yeah. It was it was tough seeing um seeing that on the screen and you know you know uh, and and seeing how the other boys reacted yeah it was just it's just tough and it's just it, it kind of is what it is and I and I just have to accept that that it's going to be a part of who we are for for the rest of our lives yeah yeah it's great I mean I'm sure she loves being in touch with you and and getting to you know catch up when you're down yeah um something else and we kind of I guess when we last spoke we sort of talked about it or you know you told your story a little bit but it's really sort of obvious in the movie that you know you guys had a really unconventional rise to fame you know like if you took like most bands you know they sort of get picked out quite early and when they're still playing small shows and then someone might spy talent and they bring them in they sort of craft them and they you know they sort of create whatever it is and they release a demo or and they however it might be but you guys were, were very unconventional in the fact that you just started playing live shows and university university students and facebook you know just just blew you guys up and um and as a result of that because you guess you weren't following the normal channel is that you attracted you know a bit of criticism you know which i didn't even i didn't know but you know like um even like tikitane had like other musicians being like oh why are you working with them some of the like the media stuff was horrible like um i think one of the guys said it in the movie like it was music for people that don't like music you know like terrible stuff and um you know part of being successful is that not everyone, you know, you're exposed to more people. And when you're exposed to more people, there's some people that aren't going to agree with you or like you or, you know, appreciate what you're doing. How have you, how do you deal with criticism? Do you read articles about yourself? Do you, you know, like when that was happening, what was it like? I mean, I've never had that. I've never had, you know, I've never opened up a newspaper and had someone write something about something that I really passionately am involved in and, and love and, and write something like that. And, you know, how do you deal with it? Um, well, personally, I've I've really never, ever been affected by it. Um, and because I I feel like, from an early age, I've been doing music for a while. It's just, I guess, it's my upbringing and just seeing how people looked at my upbringing and at my family and stuff like that. It's music, especially, is subjective. Like almost nearly one hundred percent. There is a bit of, um, you know, when you're young, you're easily Im- Im- like you're impressionable. Was it? What's the saying? Impressionable. Impressionable. Yeah. yeah so there is that factor. Um, which can influence you to maybe not like something mm. that you grow out of. Like there's a little bit of that, um, but mostly it's subjective. And I always had the idea in my head: it's like there's heaps of music I don't like, and but I just don't go to the step of like going to the effort of like saying I don't like mm-hmm. it. And um, that whole idea of music is subjective. There's no, there's actually no reason for a critic. Of music, yeah. or movies, or yeah. anything, yeah. You're so because right. of that <laughs> idea, it's subjective. Like people like what they like, and that's it. And the only, the only, the only reason I can get in my head where a critic comes into play, if it's a critic who is really close to who you are, mm-hmm. like someone who's like close to the way you think, or close 
maybe even like a brother or something. Mm, yeah, yeah. And the family, like DNA and like environment, that's when it kind of helps because mm-hmm. it kind of, it, it just, you just cover, you can skip a few steps and go, instead of trying to like find the musical or movie but randomly, mm-hmm. you can go, hey, brother, um, got any cool music you're listening to? Because yeah. you know that you're so, so alike yeah, yeah. that you maybe, you can skip a yep. few steps and, and you might like it, the chance of you liking it. That's the only idea I can get in my head why a critic should mm, exist. But yeah. apart from that, yeah. it's subjective and everyone's going to like what they like and not like what they like. Yep. Some people are going to comment on what they don't like. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to comment on what they do like. Yeah, so you treat that the same with good feedback as well. Like every- well, as soon as, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's that whole idea um, of, you know the four agreements. It's yes. like don't don't take anything don't take anything personally because you don't know yeah. what everyone's been through, yeah. and um, don't take that like when you hear that don't take it personally. Usually it's related to criticism or mm. negative, mm-hmm. but also don't take compliments personally too. Yes, because you don't know how they're perceiving you or what they've been told. Mm-hmm. Some rumor like oh man he did this thing like this Chinese yeah. whisper or like yeah. I don't know what the PC way of saying it, but yes. like this kind of yep. thing is like. You know, when when stories are retold, that you know people Be like to kind of embellish yeah, yeah. them. So you don't know if this person's had this has this embellished view of you, or you don't know if this other person just has this completely negative ver, uh, thing of you, yeah. and you don't know what they're going through. They might have been, you know, had a bad day, or you know. So these all the, all those things coming at you, and so of course they're going to be a little bit a little bit off. Yeah, you're the only one that knows what you like, and you're the only one that you know where you're going. And if I see any criticism, like a some kind of article, I'll be like, well, all it is is that he doesn't like the music. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Like, I don't like, probably don't like the music he does, he mm-hmm. likes. Sweet, move on. Yeah. No point to, like, yeah. debate about it because yeah, sure. of that fact. Yeah, you're right. And it's so subjective. But in lots of things like that, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's really hard to quantify what is good and bad in, in any way. You <laughs> know, like, in, in, you know, if we talk about left brain, right brain, just maths, there is kind of a generally a, a right and wrong. But in nearly everything else, you know, if you, yeah. there's, it's very grey. You know, there's, there's a lot of areas and it's so subjective. And it's a really good point. Don't take it personally. Both ways. Both you know, ways. Don't take the flattery, but don't listen to the flattery, but don't listen to the you know, and and, and don't listen to the criticism. And and what's probably most important, what you said, is is what you think of it. You know, yeah. Be proud of it. Do you and, like it? And and whether or not you are, you've taken away all these kind of distracting, mm. conditioning ideas to actually like figure out whether you truly deeply like yeah. it. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing. But just going on, what I was just talking about talking to uh, one of the security guys who's doing the shows about this idea that, and this, I, th- I really truly believe that as the reason why people are de- divisive, argue, angry, all that. There's a little assumption that we, I, I believe is happening with all this stuff, like the political spectrum, all the stuff in America, this kind of like conspiracy theories. There's an assumption that that people are making about other people and even maybe about themselves, but especially there's an assumption people are making about other people that they are coming from what they're saying and what they're thinking is coming from a place of ex- like perfectly balanced emotional state, perfectly healthy, perfectly perfectly educated, like well balanced in every facet of their life. There's an assumption that's that's where they're coming from mm-hmm. when they speak and when they say thoughts. But I think that's mostly never, never. <laughs> yeah. 
there's all this, all these things that we don't know. Yes, that people could be coming from. They yeah. might have had a bad sleep from that. They might be in an abusive environment. They yeah. might have been brought up in such a isolated and different way. That mm. might the religion might be a thing. They might be struggling financially. This is all it's almost not true yeah. at all. Yeah. And so why are we even yeah. Acting like it, it is, isn't that? It's all a social construct, kind of, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We need once you realize that idea that people are never ever really perfectly balanced mm-hmm. at any time. It's very fleeting. Mm-hmm. Then you can I feel like everyone, if everyone realizes that, they'll be like, they'll just give some space for people, just a little bit of space, yeah. empathy, yeah, or dig a bit more and mm-hmm. go. What, what what is their intention? Their words and their actions, yeah. most of the time, are different to their their intentions. They're yeah. too afraid to be truthful, or they have some insecurity or some kind of habit that keeps playing out. And that's you're seeing the the tip of the iceberg. You're not yeah, seeing yeah. all the stuff underneath. So, yeah, I think I think that assumption has been made all the time, and I feel like that's the reason why we uh, the, the divisiveness and the argumentation, why we get angry and all stuff comes to that. Yeah, yeah. not yeah, just. Not just kind of making the effort to kind of go, okay, I'm not going to take your words and your actions face value. I'm yep. going to dig here before I yep. react. I understand a bit more. Mm. Yeah, a bit of empathy. That's, that's what empathy. it is, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've come to learn um, recently is that, and I think this is probably the root of tall poppy syndrome or the, maybe not the opposite of it, that, that so success or doing well isn't mutually exclusive. Like just because you do something well doesn't mean that there's, in, there's, a, there's a limited amount of success that I can now have in any area. And I think, you know, like when someone does well or you're doing well, you know, often if someone's criticising you that it's more of an introspective account of what happening and it's almost insecurity on their own behalf yeah that, that, that you're doing something and and it's it's in some way maybe limiting their ability to do something or making them feel bad about what they haven't done um and it's a that, mirror to, to, yeah. to maybe some something that they don't understand about themselves yep or it's a trigger point for something they've been through yes and yeah usually in their childhood yeah yeah, totally. That somehow relates to that. Yeah. Yeah. And now I've like I've and it's hard because you know again, tall poppy syndrome is terrible in, in, in New Zealand culture, I, I believe. But you know, I see someone doing well now, and I, I'm so happy for them. You know, and I, I really try to be like you know, like it doesn't mean there's anything less for me or for my family or for my friends or for anything. It's just it's seeing um, people do well as as um, is not only a joy, but it's a real, it really gets you going. Like, you know, like if you see someone like, man, he's doing effort. Like, you know, like you become like, I'm not proud of them, but, you know, kind of just like, yeah, I guess it is proud. But, um, you know, I think that maybe. Was that something you learned? Like learned to try and. Yeah, well, not something. It was more just something in retrospect that I was sort of like, because I did, used, you know, if I'm honest, I did used to think like that. I would see someone doing well and I would try and make excuses about why they were doing well. Things they had that I didn't have. Oh, you know no, what I mean? no, they they doing this. Oh, because they yeah. got that, or yeah. someone gave them this, yeah. or um, you know, like I could. And what you're trying to say is, I could be doing that if I had the same things. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, and I did. I never thought about that until. Um, I, so I didn't know I knew it until I thought about it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it was going back and realizing that. Um, 
you know, that I did think like that, and it was a really bad way to see the world because mm. it, there's no, it's no relevance. Like you and your band doing well is fantastic for me. I love it, you know, mm. and and because you're enjoying your life and because you're doing well and because you're happy and you've got a loving relationship and you're, you know, you're connected to your family and you're, um, you know, making money and you're traveling the world doesn't mean that I can't have any, there's any less of any of those things for me, mm. you know, and I, I definitely used to think like that. You well, know. Is it the com- comparison is a thief of joy? Yeah, totally. That's Theodore Roosevelt, isn't it? Um, yeah, and so, yeah, comparison. It is comparison, but it's also like it's just, um, yeah, I, I try not to I don't benchmark myself against anyone now, but also yeah. I'm so happy when other people do well mm. um, and because and, and, I, I completely understand that there's nothing that doesn't affect me at all. In fact, it brings me up. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to you now and, 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 and watching your success over the last few years after meeting you and stuff, is, it, makes me, it makes me joyful. You know, I get, I'm, I'm so pumped for you and, and it, you know, it's not a, um, there's no way any, you know, like, oh, if, if, you know, if I carried on with music, I could be doing, you know, it's like, yeah. it's just, I'm just so pumped for you. And it's such a lovely way to see the world now. Yeah, and it's man. really brought me some, uh, yeah, some peace, I think. Yeah. Um, cool. I've never articulated it like that before, but uh, yeah, it's a nice it makes, way. It makes, yeah, it makes it, yeah, it takes the pressure off a bit. Yeah, it, it does. Just then, that way of thinking about yeah. things. And almost, I, I, I kind of, to add to that, I, I just want to talk to people when I see success. I'm like, oh, yeah. man, I'd love to talk to him. I want to know what makes yep. him tick because yep. I love that he's at this place, and I want to I want to understand why, you know. Yeah. And I want I want to collaborate with him, and yep. even if it's just in conversation, yep. not necessarily in what what he's doing. I just want to be like, yeah. Hopefully, I've got something to offer, and yeah. hopefully. I, I learned something and I know I'm going to yeah. learn something because he's doing well. Yeah. And that's why I started this podcast, man. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's to just talk to people like, and meet with people and, and, and understand them and, and, yeah, and ultimately learn stuff because, um, yeah, and, you know, it's, um, it's you know, I, I, this is, we just bought a new car and, you know, it's a relatively nice car. It's probably the nicest car I've ever had. And, um, you know, I immediately was like, oh, there's a stigma attached to it. Like people are going to think, oh, like whatever. And I sort of, you know, A, I can't control that. But B, like if I see someone doing well that's got something, you know, and it doesn't have to be material at all. That's just an example because I'm thinking about it at the moment. It's like my mindset, I really try to consciously focus to being like, that's great. Like you know, like they're doing, you know, if someone's, you know, has 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 a really flourishing relationship for example it's not like i don't get envious of it Mm. or jealous it's like i want to like talk to them about it and be like you know how did you create this or Mm. like what and not maybe not as a question as that but you like surround yourself a bit more and Mm. you're like oh that's cool and and um you know i i i think that if you know if, if someone is doing something that you admire you know don't treat it as a threat treat it as something go up and ask and talk and learn and um you know if you want if you want that like if you, whatever it is love happiness a house a travel like whatever it is you know like don't yeah embrace it and learn rather than trying to you know, yeah. be envious or yeah. dubious or crit- critical of it that's definitely something that um you know obviously as we get successful um those types of things start to amplify within us and with people around us, you know. And um, I, I, I was thinking the other day, shower thought, 
Um, wonder where that comes from when when s- someone's so hugely popular, these this almost like this deep, this primal reaction where you like question what they're doing and like hmm, too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought it, I thought it came down to um, maybe back in the back in the day, like way you know way before civilization was um, even way before farming. You know, maybe when we're in our hunter gatherer stage. Like, I think someone popular, um, without knowing exactly why, was probably nearly always not true. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know the ones who are like the best hunters and stuff. Because yeah. you get to see it, and mm-hmm. you know exactly why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Like that's why, like you know, you 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 respect like athletes more than some kind of guy who's really rich for some yeah. unknown Obscure reason. reason. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I know why yeah. Richard McCaw is great because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. it multiple times, yeah. and there's no way of getting away. And yeah. he he is his greatness comes from his actions, yeah. and and his actions were portrayed on the screen mm-hmm. hundreds yeah. of times. Hundreds of times. Yeah. And then, but then you hear a story of some guy who's like super super wealthy, and you're mm. like, why? Mm-hmm. And I feel like those reasons. I feel like that's been a thing throughout evolutionary history, and it's almost spilled over to even probably Richard McCall gets yeah, it. Yeah. But, but because of his the way he's been, his life's been portrayed, it's probably very small compared to Six Sixty. Six Sixty's probably like, hang on, they played at Western Springs, they a New Zealand band, first New Zealand band. No, hmm. there's got to be something. There's yeah. Got to be something. Yeah. Because uh, our lives hasn't haven't been portrayed like Richie, say Richard yeah. McCall, but the movie definitely has. Um, Shone a light on, yes, yeah. And kind of like now people are starting to go, oh, I understand. It all makes sense, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so I feel like the movie has done a super great thing for us. And having a movie, having something like that in the middle of your career, I, I feel like hopefully it gives some insight to people who are a bit skeptical and 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 um, you know criticizing us, and at least they can understand, yeah. What, what's else, going on? What's yeah. going on? Yeah, they yeah. can not, they can choose not to like it. That's cool, yeah. but it, at least we're not just yeah. going out there and just like being idiots yeah. and yeah, yeah. and just f- luckily yeah. being successful. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's certainly no luck behind it when you know. But anywhere that's successful, you know, like I mean, sure there are elements of luck mm. at times, but you've got to be in a position to capitalize on the luck. You know what I mean? Like you can play in front of a record executive, but if you can't play well, it's still you know doesn't the luck might be that he's in the bar at the right time, but mm-hmm. if you don't perform, you don't perform. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, as you've got bigger and more successful, it seems, and this might be completely wrong, so tell me if it's the case, but it seems like there's more and more people, brands, whatever, that try and like cling to you or hold on to you or like be a part of you or, um, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's ego or it's, uh, you know, financial gain or it's whatever, um, you know, just, you know, when you guys, uh, you know, particularly doing these shows, I can imagine there's lots of you know athletes, lots of you know uh, popular, famous you know people, and for whatever reason, a, a sort of seems like they're trying to be a part of you and, and almost break into your world, world a little bit. Is that is that true, or is that just a, is that something of? Um, yes and no. Uh, we are careful of who we let in our inner circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, every now and then, you know, we come across someone. Very, it's kind of rare. I, th- I, th- I think it's a reflection, you know, of who we are, as as uh, really the type of people we attract. Yeah. Um, maybe if we were, if I wasn't as introspective and had the upbringing I had, and I was, you know, um, spoiled my whole life, 
that's probably what I'd attract. Yeah. Uh, if we weren't so um, kind of like 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 challenges and all that stuff and the way we think and operate, may, and uh, say in another universe we were like just kind of partying all the time. I guess mm. we'll attract that. We yeah. definitely do attract what we kind of like yeah. put through our music and the way we carry yeah. ourselves. Um, it's probably changed a bit over the years as well. It has changed, yeah. probably were partying 10 years ago. Yep, and we, yeah. we definitely were attracting those types of people mm. and, ha- and just wanting to hang out with those types of th- people yeah. because that's what we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there, there definitely is like a bunch of people from all walks of life, you know, businesses, um, you know, famous people. Um, but, yeah, we do manage it. Um, and I think it's the way even if someone comes in with kind of bad intentions – there is a way to talk to someone where you always get the best of them. Mm-hmm. Personally, no, that's, that's your. That's it. Everyone's got something to teach you. That's your mindset. Yeah, exactly. So, I, like, I, it doesn't matter who it mm-hmm. is now. For me, I've got to a point where I can just talk to the 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 true yeah. the true essence of that person, even though maybe most of what they project is yeah. like <laughs> kind of like weird. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I think we all have that ability in, in the band, um, and. Man, I, like I said, I just see it as opportunities to talk. Like, yeah. I, I, when I met Dan Carter the other day, mm-hmm. I just really wanted to kind of like ask him, "Does he have a morning routine? Yeah, like, yeah. how you know he has a big family now? How does he think about that? And like success, you know, how does he think about that? And like, what's he going to do now? And like all these mm-hmm. things, I wanted to uh, ask him, but well, I only had like five minutes with him, so yeah. it was just like, oh, how's great? Congratulations on the, yeah. the new kid coming yeah. along, and like, thanks for doing this, and yeah. blah blah blah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I think it's a personal you, Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, do you still have, like, pinch yourself moments? Like, you know, like, it's a it's a crazy life, you know, that, that you live in and that you're they're doing, like, you know, obviously you're playing here in Christchurch tonight and I I can't wait. But, you know, like, it's a it's still a, a bizarre situation. Like, you know, you, you know, it's, whether it's a musician like yourself or it's an athlete, it's like, you know, you're five people that are going to walk out in front of tens of thousands of people to, you know, to entertain them. And it's a, it's a bizarre thing when you sort of strip it back like that. Um, you know, do you, is it, are you used to things now? Is it, um, are you still taken back when things happen? Is it sort of, you know, part and par for, for, for what's going on in your life? Yeah, I'm definitely, I, I feel like I'm definitely used to it. Um, yeah. And it really does dissolve any issues or, and, and really um, push pushes home the reason why we're doing this. And, you know, you just have to look at the faces of all the audience and the way people are reacting. Oh, this is what we're doing. This mm-hmm. is what, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this is what it's all about. Like, of course. And like, you know, like, you know, this, the scratchy thing, we had a show the the following. I think that happened on like a early in the week, and then we had a show on Saturday. And we, you know, it kind of affected us. We were down for that whole week, and as soon as we did the show, you know, you we start to see like the oh, okay, this is way more of a thing. People like adore us, and we are giving people like something to kind of think of, take their minds off what's going on yeah. in the world, and they they're full of joy, and they're just having the time of their life, and go. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's yeah. just learn the lesson and move on. And this is what it's about. It's about music. It's about um, creating memories for people, inspiring people, and 
trying to like give some wisdom from yeah. a personal view yeah. <laughs> back to the people. Yeah, well, um, I think someone said, you know, 660 brings people together, you know, and um, not even one of you guys, and that's really what, you know, it's almost like you do when you go to a show like that. It's sort of, and it's a bizarre, bizarre thing, but it's... um. It's so cool at the same time. It's so great to be a part of and to be able to, to look out and 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 realize that you know how what an effect you're able to have on on such a group of people. Yeah, man, and and like I, like just like everything, I, you know, I've got to take time out to just be grateful with the position I'm in and and to really like um, really have that at the forefront of my mind. That's what it's about, and like that's that every, every time I think about that and 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 put that. In my mind, I'm like, just feel so good about everything. And, you know, it makes all these little things that sometimes get to me, these little nagging thoughts mm-hmm. or something, just dissolve, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Mate, it is great. Mate, well, um, you know, it's been two hours. You know, I've, um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed our, our first chat. And, um, you know, you're the first person I've ever had on twice. And I've, and I've, oh, cool. I've, I've loved this conversation just as much. And thank you for doing this. But also, mate, thank you for, for everything for, your, for your, your thoughtfulness, your time, your, your wisdom, your, um, you know, the work you do. It's, uh, I think that you're, you know, the, you know, I know that I'm. I can't wait to come along tonight, and I know that you know, you what you guys do really makes a a, a big impact. And um, mate, I don't know what's next for you guys. It certainly sounds like there's some exciting stuff on the horizon. And mate, I wish you all the success. And whatever you do, I'll be cheering as loud as I can from the sideline. So, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. And yeah, another great conversation. You're a good man. Thanks, Marlon. Cheers. Just like that, two hours. Holy moly. What an amazing guy he is. You know, I, I, if you haven't listened to the first conversation I had with Marlon, go back and check that out. Um, that was really about this sort of backstory and, and where they came from. And um, and this one, I mean, two hours of, of, of conversation. I don't think I've ever actually sat down face to face with someone and, and talked to him for, for two hours straight. And, um, you know, Marlon's such an interesting guy. And I'm so grateful for him making the time. They're, obviously, this is pre recorded. They're, they're playing tonight here in Christchurch. And, um, you know, he's a busy guy, but he's made the time to come and have a chat. And I thoroughly enjoy his company. I love the conversation. And, um, you know, he's, uh, I hope that, that you listening and the fact that you've listened to, to nearly two hours of us talking, that uh, you've enjoyed it and taken something out of it too. And uh, so huge thanks to Marlon. And look, if you did listen to it and you enjoyed it, um, I would it would really mean the world to me if you could do a couple of things. Um, you know, follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a positive review or share it. You know, that's all you really have to do. You can, you know, again, whichever platform you are listening to the podcast on now, just hit the share button, send it to someone. Otherwise, go someone, go tell a friend or family member or someone you know to check out the Road to Success podcast on both Spotify and iTunes. But thank you once again to Marlon. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Love you. See ya. Bye.